Well, hello, and welcome to the latest Monkey See Monkey Review podcast. I'm Scott, and today I'm acting as head chef and pot wash again in this restaurant and film discussion. I'm missing my very own Remy the Rat, Chris, pulling my hair and making me do things, which, if you've not seen the film Ratatouille, I think I may have just conjured up a disturbing image in your head, so uh, you're welcome to that. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, uh, you've just got me again this week uh, in this continuity-confusing spin-off pod. Hopefully more Rogue One than Solo or you know Battle for Endor, or even worse, the holiday special. So, on to this uh, edition of the MSMR cast. Uh, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different this time out, uh, so it's time to present the Monkey See Monkey Review Lockdown Film Festival. Uh, it's a little idea I've been gestating for a little while. So the point that this is being recorded, lockdown measures are being relaxed a little. And while we're still observing social distancing and a little less able to get out and about, I'm laying on a little film festival for you all. Now, the concept of the Lockdown Film Festival is fairly simple. I'm selecting a range of movie genres and I'll be picking one of each of my favourite films or a film of note from each genre to form a, a kind of a mini festival of sorts. Now, I've attached a few caveats to this. The first caveat, each film listed must be available to watch for free on one of the many streaming services available. Uh, so they're as accessible to as many of you as possible. Uh, services I've scoured include uh, BBC iPlayer, uh, Amazon Prime, all four, Netflix, Disney Plus and Now TV. So I'm not giving preferential treatment to any one service. They're the ones that are out there and readily available. So they're the ones I've picked. This did, however, create something of a bit of a challenge for me to pick films from each category based on my own restrictions. The other of my own self-imposed guidelines on the films I selected was that I want each film to be able to be enjoyed in isolation, no pun intended. So no movies with prequels or sequels or, or even the sequels themselves, uh, no spin-offs and no franchise pictures. Now, like any film festival you can pick and choose which films you see but i've picked a selection as i say not necessarily for my favorite films but films i've got a lot of time for and that i believe deserve you know a little bit of airtime, uh, a little bit of attention so there are embedded throughout some absolute stone cold classics but i've largely stayed away from kind of obvious choices uh, categories i've chosen are horror science fiction action comedy animated drama thriller War, romantic comedy, documentary, musical, and the wild card. Uh, now, the wild card is a movie that could fit into one or more of the categories, uh, but the one rule is it's an absolute corker. Uh, once I've done the list uh, at the end of the pod, I will be posting these onto the Monkey See Monkey Review page on Facebook and our newly minted <gasps> Instagram page. I'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end. So, as I'll be going through, I'll be telling you each of the films. I'll also talk a little bit about the thought process that has gone into each of the selections, as well as, in some cases, a snapshot of some of the films that have failed to make the cut. And on one occasion, I have slightly flexed my own rules, but there's a very good reason for that, as you'll find out in a little while. So, <laughs> let's get started. So, we're going to lead off with horror. Say, I'm Leading off with a bit of the tough one's call. I mean, leaving aside the fact that there are some absolutely cracking horror movies out there, sometimes it is hard to find ones that don't have sequels or that are sequels. For example, my favourite horror movie of all time has an absolute ton of sequels, as you all have heard from the previous podcast. 
podcast. Additionally, some of my favourite horrors aren't readily available on any of the services we talked about. And also, which way do you want your horror to go? Do you want to go supernatural, creeping dead, full-on slasher movie? So the one thing I will say is, damn the makers of the 2011 thing, maintaining that that's a prequel to the uh, vastly superior 1982, the thing, rendering one of my other favourite sci-fi horrors ineligible. So it brought me down to a a kind of a a three-way playoff. I could have happily gone with Jordan Peele's magnificent follow-up to Get Out, the brilliant Us, uh, which if you haven't seen it, as I will say many times throughout this cast, you must check it out. Or I could have gone with Cabin in the Woods, uh, which Drew Goddard's absolutely fantastic skewing of the horror genre with one of the most utterly satisfying (laughs) completely crazy third acts however i've elected in a last second turn of events to go kind of visceral unsettling and downright brilliantly bizarre with ariaster's midsummer and oh my goodness what an experience that film is now i do have a feeling for the first choice that i'm making that this may alienate as many people as it impresses it's not a horror in the traditional sense uh, taking place mostly in broad daylight and it feels uh, it has more in common with such as the wicker man which the original one not the bees version uh with the sense of kind of the creeping dread punctuated with some really kind of gnarly gruesome moments it's also led by a performance from the consistently brilliant florence Pugh, who is just fantastic here and after this and his previous film hereditary i'm really kind of keen to see what ariaster does next i can't imagine it'll be a laugh riot but it'll definitely be worth watching so my first choice for the horror movie genre is midsummer and midsummer is currently showing on amazon prime and so we move swiftly on to science fiction and this is probably out of all of the most hotly contested of all the categories i now my personal taste is i love intelligent well-crafted science fiction and i've changed my mind on this one a dozen times i'm still debating it up to this point you know when you've got a list that's got worthy contenders such as district nine looper and ex machina all of which would happily be my first choice and you know the depth of other options bubbling underneath and why you know i could easily sub in for any of the ones i've picked i'd still feel like i'd recommended well uh, the other key factor here is that denis villeneuve's arrival which i'm not shy about is one of my favorite films of the last few years it's not on any of the listed services otherwise a beautiful slab of sci-fi would be easily first choice on the list similarly movies like moon and interstellar and villeneuve's blade runner 2049 they'd also be in contention were they eligible but the fact is you know each time i've changed it to one of the others i just keep coming back to ridley scott's the martian now it's one of a precious number of movies that i feel has done massive justice to the source material so that for those of you that don't know the story of the martian it centers around matt damon's mark watney and his attempts to survive being stranded on mars after a mission goes wrong and he's involved in an accident and presumed dead and all the while one nasa are working on a rescue plan and it's just flat out brilliant entertainment it's gripping intriguing far far funnier than the premise would actually have you believe um, typical for ridley scott i mean looks incredible from the special effects right down to the design tip of the hat to nasa who are big fans of the book and who let scott and his team have access to their facilities kind of dial up the accuracy as well it really shows 
Uh, top that off with a cast to die for and a big deep breath here. Chiwetala Ejiofor, Jeff Daniels, Jessica Chastain, who I love. Kristen Wiig, again, who I love. Donald Glover's brilliant. Uh, Sean Bean, Michael Peña, Kate Mara, Benedict Wong, Sebastian Stan, the list goes on. All on absolutely top form. And especially Matt Damon himself, who takes you know kind of a difficult role. Largely, the Watney character is stranded on his own, talking to webcams around his habitation. Largely performing alone and crafts such a great character in Mark Watney, a protagonist worth rooting for. And yeah, I've seen this a few times now, and I'm never not entertained. And so, for those of you that are looking for a bit of sci-fi, The Martian is available now on Netflix. So moving on from science fiction, which was one of the most hotly contested categories, into action, which surprisingly was one that's given me some of the most bother to pick. Genuinely struggled to come up with something that's A, freely available on the streaming services, and B, that isn't a sequel. I mean, the sequel thing automatically eliminated some of my favourite action movies from the last few years. For example, the brilliant, brilliant Mission Impossible Fallout and the two Raid movies, which are excellent, excellent films. Um, but... In going back to the drawing board, I realised that one decade and one man wouldn't let me down. That decade is the 1990s, and that man is one Nicholas Kim Coppola, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage. Because, lest we forget, in the space of that year from 96 to 97, Cage was starring three absolutely top draw action movies. Starting in 96 with Michael Bay's The Rock, followed by Con Air, and topped off at the end of 1997 with John Woo's magnificent, bonkers, brilliant face-off. Now, unfortunately, I can't recommend them all as a triple bill. Firstly, Conair's not readily available to stream, and the rules are I've got to pick only one of them. So it was a tight choice, but I've got to come down on the side of face-off. I mean, if you can't fill the action slot up with some over-the-top thrills and performances, I mean, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage on absolutely top top form in dual roles some glorious action sequences a brilliantly outlandish premise and you know a good bit of hard-hitting mayhem you know if you can't fill the action slot with that when can you i mean granted the logic doesn't always stack up but the fun absolutely does it's just an absolute riot so my action choice which is available now to stream on now tv and is happily worth two hours of anybody's time so should we move on to comedy? I think we better have. And so comedy, this ended up becoming a bit of a two-horse race for selection, even to the point that I'd happily swap the two round between first and second place, and I'd still be delighted. In fact, if you want to make yourself feel brilliant, you could do a lot, lot worse than double bill these two films that I picked, because they're absolute crackers and really good, feel-good comedies. God knows, you know, at the minute we all need it. So... Narrowly beaten out is Taika Waititi's utterly charming, brilliant Hunt for the World of People, uh, starring Sam Neill and Julian Dennison as troubled inner city teen and his adopted Uncle Heck getting lost in the wilderness and sparking a manhunt. It's delightfully oddball, absolutely hilarious, and you know, completely heartbreaking, really touching when you're least expecting it. Now, on any normal day, that would win, but I've opted for one of my films of last year, one of the best things I saw. Olivia Wilde's criminally underseen Booksmart. Now, this is one I was absolutely blindsided by. 
I opted to go and see it on the strength of the word of mouth rather than the premise. And I absolutely loved it. One of the best high school comedies in a long, long time. It's really sharply scripted, really warm, inventive, incredibly witty, and just buoyed by these two fantastic uh, central performances from Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deva as the two best friends attempting to make up for four years half gr- hard graft at school for one night's epic partying. I mean, it's not only really, and I mean really, really funny, but it's got a genuinely optimistic, hopeful message about acceptance and, and takes these kind of stock high school tropes and makes them feel really fresh and original again. So my selection for comedy has to be Booksmart, but both films are now available to stream on Amazon Prime. And so we move on to drama, and again, like science fiction, I could have filled up an entire movie marathon just with films from this genre. Now, I kicked around a few other options before I came to my choices, such as the Oscar-winning Spotlight, which is a great movie, Alfonso Cuaron's Amazing Children of Men, and uh, from last year, Can You Ever Forgive Me?, which is a real treat. Uh, uh, both Melissa McCarthy on rare dramatic form and Richie Grant Challenge his finest bedraggled with nailish charm were both uh, nominated for Academy Awards, as was the screenplay. They're all really, really fine movies in their own way, all absolutely worthy of your time. But literally, in the course of writing this episode, something miraculous happened. Because I'd I'd taken had to take my original first choice out and pick something equally worthy. And then, miracle of miracles, uh, just as I was putting final pen to paper, the movie reappeared on streaming. So I'm going to break my own rules and I'm going to offer you two options for the drama section. The first of which is Damien Chazelle's absolutely staggering whiplash which if you've not had the pleasure oh what a film and what great performances miles teller is brilliant in the lead and jk simmons is just on fearsome oscar winning form it's just absolutely it's a staggering performance it also has the distinction of being one of the few films that i've seen at the cinema uh in the end i mean the climax of the film not to give anything away just builds the tension to such a degree that when the film ended and the credits rolled it's the first time I've ever been in a cinema and a film has elicited spontaneous applause from an audience it takes you to places that you never thought a film about jazz drumming could take you it's an absolutely phenomenal film and I implore you to check it out However, I also had to go with a second choice and I've gone with Spike Lee's Black Klansman. This is a film I've got so much love for. It just works on so many levels. It's set in the 1970s, uh, focused on the true story of Detective Ron Stallworth's remarkable infiltration of the Ku Klux Klan, made all the more remarkable due to the fact that uh, Stallworth himself was black. Uh, starring John David Washington as the detective himself and a little note to say that Washington has without doubt inherited his dad Denzel's charisma he's he's his own actor entirely but he's he's definitely got the family charisma he's a damn fine actor in his own right he's going to be an absolute star I mean achieves so much in the runtime. you know it's in turns really funny really tense and with all that's kind of been going on in the world late it's painfully relevant uh, especially considering the, the coda that Lee closes the film with. Also, word two for Washington's co-star Adam Driver as his partner. Another great performance from him as well. Another fantastic actor. 
So it gives me great pleasure to break my own rules and suggest and nay implore you to watch both Black Klansman and Whiplash. They're both showing on Now TV at the moment. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. For our animated movie, uh, we've got another two horse race. Now, I've made a conscious decision when I did this. Disney Animation Studios and Pixar, their output is largely fantastic but they've got a big enough reach and a large enough audience without my help. So undoubted though the quality of the output is, I have decided to sit them to one side and focus on two other really, really strong contenders. There was only one choice in the end when it came to make the decision, but I've got to give huge, huge love to the runner-up in this case. From the animation studio Leica, they're an animation studio with a wonderful offbeat aesthetic, and I love, love, love all of their output. Particularly my second choice film, which is the gorgeous Kubo and the Two Strings, which, if you haven't seen it, please, I implore you to check it out, away from the film festival. But I had to plump for the single best animated film for me, my choice, for a very, very long time. And that is the glorious Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Technically, it's its own beast, so I avoid all the sequel franchise pitfalls. (laughs) So I'm allowing it, and rightly so. This is another massive surprise. It was a standalone animated Spider-Man movie in a sea of Spider-Reboots. When it was when it was coming out, when it had been announced, I largely ignored it. And then I saw the trailer, and the trailer actually really promised something that could have been a lot of fun. And you know, the creative team behind it, which includes the Lego Movies, Lord Miller, who I'm you know, big fans of their work. So it's got that that great, sort of witty sensibility about it. But the creativity behind it is just fantastic. And I'll go into the merits of Into the Spider Verse in my review on the Monkey See Monkey review page, but if you've not had the pleasure, and please believe me, it really is a pleasure, seek it out. Uh, The art and design of the film is amazing to look at. melds a number of different styles into one. The idea behind the aesthetic was that they were looking to kind of bring a comic book to life, and it really nails it. It's not just that. It's, uh, you know, without giving too much away, it manages to make the Spider-Man origin story entirely fresh. Uh, It's also got this really huge beating heart, and it's really funny, um, and again, says a lot about acceptance, and that it doesn't matter who you are, you can make something of yourself. So, Again, I've got to genuinely implore you to seek this one out. And so, Into the Spider-Verse, currently available on Now TV, again, through the Movies Pass. Oh, we're rattling through these. I hope you're enjoying it so far. We're going to move on to the thriller section now, and we're going to go from one extreme of kind of light and hope to (laughs) the opposite end of the spectrum with our next movie. I've opted to go with the phenomenal you were never really here uh, from director lynn ramsey and starring one of my favorite actors working today he had to turn up on the list somewhere i may have mentioned this before uh, mr joaquin phoenix now this is a really kind of bruising bleak movie uh, centers around joe a traumatized mercenary paid to rescue a politician's kidnapped daughter now, this is another one of those films that, again, based on word of mouth, I took a chance on it and you know, I was rewarded with 
what is essentially it's a really brutal unsettling thriller but it's it's completely absorbing as well and phoenix is as brilliant as ever as the fragile volatile joe and ramsey's direction is superb there is a whole extended section that takes place through cctv monitors which is so finely done and just brilliantly put together uh, without giving too much away it's a real showpiece moment uh, i'm gonna stop short of saying too much more on this as uh, you know i don't want to go as far as calling it a joy in discovering the story of for itself because it's not a joyful film by any stretch of the imagination but i got so much going in kind of sight unseen so i really really recommend if you've got netflix and you're looking for an intelligent lean brutal thoughtful thriller uh, you were never really here you can't go further wrong than that although i've got to say after that I think we're all going to need a great big hug of a movie. Um, So we're going to move on to the musical section. I'm going to put my hand up here and say I'm not a big musicals aficionado. I was tempted to put the South Park movie in here at one point. And I could have done a lot worse than putting something like La La Land in there. I'm a big fan of the film. But I wanted to go for a real classic. I couldn't not pick out Singing in the Rain. It's a film that, if you've not seen it before, is so much more than the, the fabled and admittedly a still brilliant central number. Uh, but the film is telling the tale of Hollywood coming to terms with the, you know, the move from silent pictures into the talkies. It's got great songs, great performances. It's it's a real classic. And I've got to give a bit of love for the, uh, the Make Em Laugh sequence. It's not as well known as the central dance routine. Uh, Gene Kelly is obviously a legend. Uh, but the Make Em Laugh sequence, it's a testament to kind of the practical effects at the time. Brilliant choreography and the skill of uh, Donald O'Connor, who's playing Cosmo in the film, his performance. It's just a really fun bit. Uh, it still makes me smile or laugh and uh, yeah singing in the rain it's a really simple recommendation if you've not checked it out it's a it's a stone cold cinema hollywood classic uh, please check it out it's on now tv now now for our next section i did struggle with this one uh, we're looking at war movies now and of all the war films that i'm a big fan of not many were actually readily available according to the rules but there was one absolute stormer that was available. Chris Nolan's Dunkirk. Seamlessly interlinking the three separate stories, all unfolding in different time frames and telling the story of the evacuation of the Allied troops from France in 1941. It's not only a brilliant war movie, but it's just this masterclass in structuring. It's how Nolan takes the three strands. So one week of the soldiers are those stuck on the beach waiting for rescue. One day following the boats crossing the channel to carry out the rescue. And one hour for the pilots in the air. And it kind of weaves all of these threads together, all coalescing as they moved kind of towards the same point in time and it's just staggering and the enemy in the film they're largely unseen but the threat looms large and all of the stories that kind of connect together again are absolutely fascinating and it's really economical with time as well you would expect a film like this to have an epic two three hour runtime clocks in around 90 minutes and doesn't waste a second of it it's a brilliant brilliant war movie uh, in fact, it's, I believe it's the most successful war movie ever made. So Dunkirk is currently available on Netflix. So naturally, after a war movie, we're going to move straight on to romantic comedy because of course we are. 
And this was actually one of the easiest choices for me. I, there was really only one choice that I wanted to pick for this section. So I've gone for 2017's The Big Sick. So it's starring Kamel Nanjiani from Silicon Valley and last year's action comedy Stuba. Uh, Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter and Ray Romano and the film itself is loosely based on Nanjiani's real life experience of his relationship with uh, Emily who is played by Kazan and it's a relationship that becomes beset with complications from his you know, traditionally uh, Muslim family and then illness raises its head uh, and this was a, a real treat it's a, it's a romantic comedy that is genuinely funny but it's also really smart and really interesting to say interesting things to say about multicultural relationships and you know, bolstered by an Academy Award nominated script. And it goes off in some really unexpected, really touching directions. It's absolutely worth two hours of your time. Really easy choice for the romantic comedy. Cannot recommend The Big Sick enough. It's currently available on Amazon Prime. And so, with two sections to go, we come to documentary. Now, I love me uh, a feature-length documentary, and I could sing the praises of any number. The more kind of remarkable the human story, the better. Uh, I, I genuinely think this particular subject is ripe for a deeper discussion on a future podcast, uh, something that hopefully we'll be able to pick up when Chris and me are back together again in the future. So in terms of the types of documentaries, I'm a huge fan of Asif Kapadia's sporting documentaries. Uh, if you've not had a chance to see Senna and Diego Maradona, they're both absolutely gripping beautifully put together use tons of archive footage that has been edited together and they're both absolutely fantastic well worth checking out they're not eligible unfortunately otherwise i would have easily picked one or both of them uh, and i could have quite easily plumped for apollo 11 which again is another great film pulled together from archive footage to tell the story of the of the moon landing from those that were, were in the room uh, could have gone for Free Solo which is currently on Disney Plus through the National Geographic section uh, which is the story of uh, one climber's attempt to climb El Capitan which is this enormous uh, sort of rock face in Yosemite Park again just a really really gripping incredible story and uh, on film for at the moment there's a film called The Imposter uh, which I won't tell you too much about, but if you like mysteries and you like strange things, The Imposters, it's a great one. All of which, as I say, they're absolutely fascinating, but I kind of had to go for the sentimental favourite on this one. I've gone for Man on Wire. Now, Man on Wire is the story of Philippe Petit, a French high-wire artist famed for <laughs> traversing you know, famous and increasingly dizzyingly high landmarks and his ultimate mission to walk between the towers of the World Trade Center. And it was just at the time that the construction was coming to the end in the 1970s. Uh, the film itself is told in a number of different ways, using archive footage, talking head interviews, and they do a little bit of dramatization as well to kind of fill in the gaps where there isn't footage available. But it's utterly absorbing, as is the man himself, a really fascinating character. I'm going to go kind of spoiler light, even though this is all based on fact and the story is readily out there in the public domain. But for me, having 
visited the towers while they stood and kind of getting the appreciation, the understanding of the sheer size and scale of them and the height of them, it makes the feat that he looked to try and pull off just all the more mind-boggling. It was a really, yeah, really fascinating story, a really fascinating recollection of what was a you know, spectacular endeavour. A Man on Wire is currently available through Now TV, through their Sky documentaries. And so we come to the end. We come to the final category and it is our wild card. As I said earlier, the idea behind the wild card is to pick a film that I love that doesn't fit neatly into a single category, but it's absolutely one of my favourite movies. My choice for the wild card is giving you a double dose of Mr. Chris Nolan with 2010's magnificent Inception. Uh, is it a sci-fi? Is it a thriller? Action? I don't know. All I can say, it's all of those things, as well as being one of the smartest, most entertaining blockbusters of recent years with a hell of a cast, a real you know, barnstormer of a cast, Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Caine, Ellen Page, Marion Cotillard, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, and I could go on, but I won't. It's also got that excellent Hans Zimmer soundtrack, and for those of you that listened to the very first Monkey See Monkey Review podcast, you will know that I picked the track Time from the Inception soundtrack. So it's uh, it's clear I'm a big fan of the film, and I have to say I think Inception is the perfect way to round off what I believe is a cracking selection of movies. So to recap. Here are your list of films that I have selected for the very first Monkey See Monkey Review Lockdown Film Festival. I say the first, I hope it's the only one. So for horror, I've selected Midsummer. For science fiction, The Martian. Action, Face Off. Comedy, Booksmart. For drama, Whiplash and Black Klansman. Animated movie, I've gone for Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. For thriller, I've gone for the brilliant You Were Never Really Here. For musical, the classic Singing in the Rain. For war, Dunkirk. For romantic comedy, The Big Sick. Documentary is Man on Wire. And finally, the wild card is Inception. So I hope my infusing has persuaded you to go out and check at least one or more of these movies out. I'm really, really keen to know what you think. Uh, you know, what would you your choices be? Have a look at that list of genres. Tell me what you would pick. You know, film is such a wonderfully objective medium. So do you agree or do you disagree with selections? I'm really, really keen to know what you think. So before we head off, I just have the matter of this week's Tracks of the Trade, our steadily growing Spotify playlist of pieces from movie scores. So if you have any suggestions for tracks that we need to be checking out, please, please, please get in touch. Uh, through the magic of Messenger, <laughs> Chris has sent me his selection for the week. And so I'm going to read you what Chris has sent me. Uh, I'm not going to try and do his voice because he's got such a lovely quality to his voice. So uh, Chris's track of the trade is from the 2017 film Battle of the Sexes about the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs starring Emma Stone and Steve Carell respectively and the fight against the injustice laid upon women's tennis at the time and the revolution that followed. This is the final track of the film used during the credits. It's called Manhattan Sunset and it's composed by Nicholas Brattel. 
piece is full of 1970s musical themes with a lovely refreshing attitude that drive the piece to leave you feeling energized yet with a calm peacefulness something we can all use a bit of these days i agree with you there chris halfway through it feels like a slowed jazz version of lullaby of broadway from 42nd street and you can almost sing the line come along and listen to the lullaby of broadway it's a lovely piece and i recommend checking out the film stone and Carell have lovely chemistry and it's a film with a message about treating people the way they should be treated with dignity and respect and i've got to agree with chris there uh battle of sexes is a really great film uh, i thoroughly enjoyed it and again i recommend you check it out and for my selection I had a bit of a last minute change of heart uh, just to take you on a little bit of a tangent uh, I've been following the Netflix series The Last Dance about the 1990s Chicago Bulls team and I what a, a great series but in one of the climactic episodes it made use of the track that I've picked today uh, which is actually from the soundtrack to Danny Boyle's Sunshine again another one of the films that could have quite easily made the science fiction list today uh, and the song is Adagio in D minor and it's one of these beautiful tracks that just builds and builds and builds and it's on my favourite soundtracks playlist anyway I'm going to be putting it on tracks of the trade but it's one of those that whenever I hear it I can listen to it in isolation it still takes me back to the film and how much I enjoyed it and it's it's just a really really great track so I have gone with Adagio in D minor by John Murphy from the Sunshine soundtrack and Chris's track of the trade is Manhattan Sunset from the Battle of the Sexes soundtrack by Nicholas Brattel. And so that brings us to the end of the latest Monkey See Monkey Review podcast. Really, really hope you've enjoyed that and I would genuinely love to hear your feedback. If you're on Facebook and you're not a member of the group, please search Monkey See Monkey Review and join in. Similarly, we post updates via our Instagram. So again, search Monkey See Monkey Review there and give us a follow. We also now have an email address for feedback, which is msmrpod at gmail.com. So that's msmrpod at gmail.com. In addition, please, please spread the word. Uh, leave star ratings on Apple Podcasts and reviews if you're enjoying what you're hearing. If you're not enjoying what you're hearing, let us know through the email. <laughs> I'm also a bit of a nerd for the uh, old podcast analytics. And in the last few weeks, we've had a bit of a spike in downloads in the USA. So if you're one of those that has downloaded, welcome aboard. And please get in touch. Me and Chris would love to hear from you. So that brings us to the end of this Monkey See Monkey Review podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. It means the world to us. Uh, you stay safe, stay warm. And you know what? watch a few films i'd love to hear all about your very own monkey see monkey review film festivals thanks very much and we'll see you again soon